0: Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. All right. Welcome, everyone. We are live for another podcast. This is number 105. We've got Chess Phenom, Alexandra Botez in the house. Alexandra, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me here, Jeff.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I know you're busy. You've got a lot going on. I've been, I've been following. I've been seeing some of the Twitch streams. You've got YouTube content. You've been very, very active, very busy. Uh, tell me a little bit about what's been going on during COVID. Has this changed your, your uh, overall day-to-day or is it because you stream and do a, lot of, do a lot of playing of chess online? Has it been pretty much uh, same old for you in the last six months or so?
1: Well, COVID has actually been really helpful in terms of viewership. So if you look at the first two months when COVID happened and you look at um, new users on chess.com, they actually doubled. So COVID ended up helping with a little bit of a boost and then After that, it had a lot of a domino effect where grandmasters started streaming a lot more on Twitch, events got moved online, and then all of a sudden there was this huge chess boom that was actually like 10x what viewership used to be at its peak. So that was a crazy time. Now, things have kind of cooled off. The chess bubble is leveling out to more stable numbers right now, but that was super exciting. Uh, and then on the other end, like everyone, I'm just kind of trying to deal with COVID and being able to do less social interactions than before.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been an interesting time, no doubt. The the numbers and just what's going on, it's a little bit different. And you know, for poker and chess, I definitely see a lot of similar parallels with what's going on and and in, in the content and online with streaming and people getting just being at home more makes sense. Uh, give us, I got to ask you first off about Queen's Gambit because I. You know, I see the show. I loved it. It's it, it kind of reminds me of poker and tournaments and and that whole you know, feeling of starting from nothing and building up and, and you know, playing the lowest levels and sort of uh, traveling the world and doing stuff. Uh, tell me how realistic that game is, uh, how they portray chess and, and what your experience was. Is, is it a pretty accurate story? Do you like the show or do you think it's like kind of uh, too fictional or, or out there?
1: So, the general consensus in the chess community has been that this has been the most accurate portrayal of chess in any of tv screen we've seen before and i mean i've watched some chess movies in the past and i definitely echo that sentiment i would say the only thing that was unrealistic are like a few things that really annoy you if you're a chess player for example when they'd say she's a prodigy and she's actually 1800 rating and they say it in the same five minute frame or she's training for the world championship and the russian team has like all these grandmasters and she has like a 1900 and a national master so uh, you know a few inaccuracies here and then the bigger thing is um if you're thinking about the time frame that it took place in the 1960s it's awesome that it figured this featured this strong female figure but it didn't show anything compared to the amount of real sexism that was happening back then and i could go deeper into that but
0: yeah no you know so I actually that brings me sort of to my next question because there's this thing in poker mm-hmm. where females there's not a, there's not a lot right It's like a very small percentage some of the the well known and some of the, some of the uh, players that are the best they literally are the best in the world there's a few I could name that are you know, they're right up there and how, how, what's the what's the feeling from you about you know segregating women in chess and 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 or just to have actually there's one woman uh, I believe she won like an award right in poker like female player of the year and she was you know her whole thing was like uh, it shouldn't be about Females and like you know mm-hmm. to, we're all the same. Um, you know what, what, what's your sort of stance and, and how do you feel? I'm sure you get asked this a lot. I just very curious like in the mm-hmm. chess community, how are, how is it sort of overall seen and, and for you personally, how do you mm-hmm. feel?
1: I, I have this bad habit of tending to fall in the center on a lot of issues. And yeah. um, on on one end, I mean, I don't think we should be generally segregating females and males from chess, and that's not the case. I mean, like over 99 of tournaments, they're not segregated. Um, The way that female tournaments have been helpful in the chess world is because there's so many fewer female professionals, and often they have higher costs to compete. Because, for example, if you're a 12-year-old female player and you want to go to a tournament, often their parents don't feel comfortable letting them go with a male coach um, and in an environment where their parents can't be there. So they have to pay up a little bit more for the parents to go to feel like they have... Um, you know, the the girls safe in the tournament environment. This doesn't happen if it's going to be somebody who is a male chess player. Right. So there's a few more challenges they have to deal with. So what these female only tournaments help do is basically help additional funding to help encourage the participation of females. This isn't to say that females can't compete against males. No, but maybe like one or two tournaments a year, they get this opportunity to get a little bit more funding. And then if they're training seriously, they'll just continue going for open tournaments as well.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I mean, it's sort of like one of those things where I think in just the, at a, at a fundamental level, there's not a lot of, um, you know, it's like a game. It's different. It's not really a lot of females making a living playing poker, playing chess, playing Mm -hmm. backgammon. You just don't see it as much. And it's kind of, is it fun in a way that you're such in the minority and that you have so much success? Like, is that, to you, is it kind of cool? Cause there's not, I mean, I saw Anna Rudolph and there's a, there's a handful of other very successful, well-known chess player, females, of course, it's just such a small number. Like, is that, do you think it, are you like, man, I wish more women played. Do you care? Or do you think it's just what it is? Like how how is it, or does it feel good that like, I'm, The
1: reason why I care is because chess had such a positive impact on my life growing up. And I know that most people don't end up being a professional chess player, but it just relates to so many other things when you're young. Being able to focus, having any kind of sport, um, working through your calculations, through logic. And and it was super helpful. And I want other girls to have this opportunity as well. Um, That's why I care about it. Um, And I know that the amount of females playing chess has increased and I know that there's still some some cultural things that we have to work against. But I'm really happy to see the progress. And on on the flip side, sometimes I actually feel bad about encouraging females to play chess when I read the kind of like just blatant sexism um, that they have to deal with. And I'm like, oh, man, why would I want anybody to be in this environment? It's just a game like let them do something else. They don't need to deal with this
0: yeah for sure no it makes sense i i see that you started it says when you were six years old and uh how, are you still in touch with your uh I, you started playing if that's right at the romanian community uh center mm-hmm. a chess club and your coach i believe uh you you i don't know how to pronounce you again Demian? valer
1: damien yeah um i'm not really in touch with um him anymore i mean you i still know where general updates and stuff like that. But actually, Romania has a really big chess culture. And in Canada, I grew up in a very Romanian community where a ton of the kids were forced into chess. club. (laughs) Okay, forced as if it's something bad, but put into chess club at a young age. So that's kind of where that came from.
0: Well, and, and I actually, I was the one the other thing I want to say about Queen's Gambit. Like I thought, I thought it was a great show. The one thing I didn't really understand is I was like, she, she sent, he, he sent money sort of staking her, right? She asked him and mm-hmm. her, her originally the janitor, the pretty cool little touch to the story. But then like, I just, I didn't understand, like, it didn't seem like it was that far away. Like, I didn't understand why she never went back and saw him or even sent him back the money. It's just kind of, it was like bizarre to me. Like that, that, how that was, did you, did you read into that at all? Like, did you, um- did you
1: yeah, I don't. I'll try not to give any spoilers, but yeah, she just totally forgets about him until later, and then she remembers, and she feels bad about it. So yeah. I, that was more of a personal character flaw I felt rather than reading yeah. too into it.
0: For sure. That makes sense. I just, I just really like the show and we, you know, rounders. Have you seen that by any chance? No. I haven't. I haven't. You, you should watch that. Uh, Cause I saw you actually on your stream recently playing poker and I think you ended up uh, winning. You were playing a heads up match or at least one of the, right. the early ones against your friend or whoever you were playing with. Uh, and it looked like you knew what you were doing. You had some pretty good intuition. Um, but that that's like, that movie is, it's really, really good. Matt Damon, Edward Norton. Like that's basically what got me into poker and it's really mm-hmm. the only thing in poker that was, uh, cine- uh, you know, with cine- cinematography and just well done. Um, and and a lot of movies are kind of just, you know they're they're off the storylines don't make sense The 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 royal flush is just like crazy setups that don't make you know sense i wish poker did have a you know sort of a a show like that that was that was done well and um I, i do you think that's helped chess like do people talk about queen's gambit to you all the time on your twitch is that something that comes up i know there's like a botez gambit right that's something you got you have or you you use a play on words is this something that's like people are you're hearing about a lot do you think that's actually adding to the chess excitement right now
1: so, so first of all, I'll definitely check out rounders. That sounds awesome. And I Amazing, think for right. any kind of sport or hobby, it's great to have it portrayed for the general public to see. Um, yeah. And yeah, so so if you look at Google search trends for chess, I think um, it tells you like the general interest over time. And since Queen's Gambit was launched in the US, you can see that it's around like 78% interest. And you can compare that to the world championship in uh, 2018 and 2016. Where it was that like? I don't know. I think the 60s or the 50s in terms of interest. So basically what I'm saying here, this has caused more interest in chess than the previous two world championships, which is huge because that is the biggest chess event there is to date. Um, And then if you look at just, uh, for example, eBay chess set sellers, they've seen a huge increase in sales um chess.com has seen a lot new users so this is definitely helping create um a spike in interest from media to um a ton of the main media sources are covering it so we we've done a few interviews ourselves there's definitely an interest um i, I think it's one of those things where there's going to be a spike but in order to sustain interest over time we have to keep having different spikes
0: Yes. Uh you're right. Absolutely. And and I want to understand your sister who she you're 20 25 is that right? I'm 25, yeah. He's 20, what, 3 or 2? She's or? 18. Oh wow, okay. So yeah. tell, tell me about your transition from doing your own stream and and being, you know, Alexander Botez on Twitch or you're having your own channel and then now you're Botez Live and you guys sort of um play on, you know, together or you do, you know, mutual stuff on there. How, was that a big decision? Was that just sort of a natural transition or how does that work? That you guys Yes, do so
1: Um, As a hobby, uh, streaming once a week, I probably have been doing this since uh, 2017, 2018. So uh, two, three years now. And um, I I really enjoyed it. And I'm very close to my family. So often when I would come home, I would stream with my sister occasionally. And I thought she was very funny and and talented. And she enjoyed it because it was a bonding activity for us as well. And um, I decided to go full time on streaming in September of 2019. And dur- during this time, I moved to New York and my sister had her own channel and I had encouraged her to do some of her own content as well. And she was in her last year of high school, so she was going to go to college next year, which means she wouldn't have as much time for streaming. And I was thinking a lot more about the long-term vision of my stream. And one thing I wanted to make sure is that um, if you're streaming too many hours, I think you could just really get caught into the grind where you think streaming more hours is better for your channel and better for community, but you're decreasing the quality and just streaming like 30 hours on Twitch isn't going to make you um, better than, like 30 hours and okay 30 hours is very little. sorry 50 60 hours right. on on Twitch a week is necessarily going not necessarily gonna grow you better than doing a few. Um, so it was one of the things where we felt we were stronger together so then she decided to come to my channel after talking to her about like the pros and cons and we didn't know if it was gonna be a good idea and it ended up being uh, I, I guess the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. I mean, I, it's actually very similar. Who I know you know Matt Staples and Jamie Staples, their brothers mm-hmm. in poker, and I know they had discussed their, you know, debating to do their own or to combine. And I think that's a good point too about the quality. It's also people burn out. Like I know so many poker streamers that just burn out. You're on there twelve hours, you know, the same thing, and you're on there a lot, and you can really get tired. So I think that that's got to take a little bit of. uh you guys alternate or sometimes you're together, sometimes you have, you know, one of you guys stream that's really, really cool. And how long have you had this the YouTube channel? See, it's grown really fast as well. Is this something that you guys started?
1: So I actually started the YouTube channel. You could probably see the first video. I think it was in like twenty eighteen or so. So two years ago. I actually started it um maybe several months after my Twitch because I always was thinking about making sure that I'm getting to as many platforms as possible. I don't really trust just growth on one platform. Anything could happen. It could die out over time.
0: Yep. Very, 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 very cool. And what do you prefer? Do you like the, to see the highlights? Do you like the YouTube or do you enjoy the, the live interaction with your, your viewers on, on Twitch? What's use more fun to, and do you do your own videos or do you have someone um, make your videos on YouTube?
1: I have a video editor and in terms of which one I prefer, I mean, streaming always came more natural to me. I think when I try to produce content, I really get in my head and I don't have as much experience. Um, that being said, from a, a, a business point of view, I think I'm going to switch my focus a little bit over these next coming months. So I will continue streaming because I really like interactions with the community. But I want to switch towards um, lower frequency, higher quality content. So, for example, after we do our podcast today, I'm working on a video related to The Queen's Gambit that I'm going to be Recording off stream because I really want to make sure I do it properly and and spend time in the preparation. Versus when all of my YouTube videos are coming from live content, it's sometimes harder to package something nicely together.
0: Makes a lot of sense. Uh, what what do you, I got to ask you about Choker because I did commentary for so far, on right? I, we, we were in a match. I think we played. I believe it was Bill Perkins' one you played um, that I saw, and and I think you either you got deep into uh, maybe lost in the semi or the finals. I don't remember now. Yeah. But what, what What is your thought about choker and just sort of the idea of mixing sort of some more luck into chess? That That's something that I feel is also why poker is so great because, you know, you and I could go and play mm-hmm. poker right now and you have a basic idea. But there is, you know, small ends and the equities there. There's a there's still there's still enough luck where anyone can win on any given day. Whereas if you and I play chess right now, I mean yeah, it's not going to happen. Like it's going to be, it's just, there's no, I'm not, not going to have a, a magical session and, and take you out. Like it's just, I can't win actually. I think I'm drawing dead. I, I think that's true. I don't know like what the actual gap in skill is, but pretty much the better player is going to win. Right. I mean, that's, that's just like at a certain degree or. Yeah. Like, I mean,
1: for, so you can actually calculate the odds um on like an ELO calculator. So for example, somebody who's 1500 versus somebody 2100 would have like a, Uh, the 2100 person has a 98% chance of winning.
0: Wow. Yeah. So I mean, Okay, so that's so
1: that's, you'd win two out of every hundred games if you're down to play that many.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, so that's that's very interesting because ninety-eight percent—that's like the equivalent of a one outer on the river, two percent, two point two percent. So, like, mm-hmm. that's you know, literally hitting one out in on the deck with one card to come. It's very rare. Uh, so, okay, so yeah, what, what's your thought on that? Let's let's take choker because we—I know you mm-hmm. played it and you know it—or you could take. There's another game called Chexy. I don't know if you heard of that. It's like Death I
1: haven't of heard that. of that one.
0: So that's like the idea of like rolling dice and what pieces and what you get. And I've played it. It's interesting too. I just think that that it seems to me to make sense, but is that to you like not really sacred? Is that like kind of, or it's just kind of like a different fun thing. Look, I'm
1: not protecting this sacred game and saying, don't create any variants. I think variants are fun. And the idea of combining chess and poker is awesome. I don't think it has been executed to the point where it's perfect yet, because even in choker, it's heavily weighted towards chess. Mm-hmm. um because e- even if you and you can also see this in the elo calculator so for example someone between like uh 1500 to 2100 you need i don't actually remember what it was exactly but it was something like three or four pawns worth to e- equalize the game so you're you're playing choker um and you could bet a lot more because even if you have less pieces and somebody's lower rated you're just going to kill them right yeah. so i i just don't think it's been weighted fairly yet if it was somehow where I think chess skill would need to be flipped actually. So have right now it's heavily weighted towards chess. Maybe something like, I don't know, 65, 35. If it was more like 35 chess, 65 poker, then that seems a little bit more fair just because chess is so skill based. You really have to even it up.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think exactly. That makes a lot of sense. What is the sort of gambling appetite in chess? Cause you know, poker, players in general, they want to bet on everything like, you know, bet if I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it, actually, some of the things and some of the stories and some of the stuff that happens. But in chess, is it like that? And and what is give me an idea of like the money in chess? Like, can you, are, are people betting on chess.com or sites like just playing heads up and friendly, like $10 wagers going on? Is there is there actually a site that's real money chess that people play like matches or tournaments or? Is that not really like a? Is that like a day to day thing, or is that not? Is I don't really
1: know. Like- I don't know any mainstream site where people bet on chess. I know it's done um, unofficially. Like people will create Discord groups and they'll bet on matches and things like that. And at least in my friend group, people really like betting and doing stuff like that. I can't speak for the general um, chess public. I know there have been some websites who have tried to do something like that. Um, But I think it's been kind of like a a sketchy legal area or something like that. So we haven't gone too into it, Mm -hmm. Um, especially in the U.S. You know how strict things are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's also it's it's one of those things, too, where it is a little tricky because like just the better player. I mean, I guess if you match up relatively like golf you could handicap uh or you know the the, the what you're betting but it's just kind of hard when it's like so skill-based to bet like people just mm-hmm. don't really you know there's not a lot of room you just know someone's better than you or not i guess you get a same score and you want to wager but then even then there's not much uh much edge and, and what is like a tournament what's like a big purse because we saw in queen's gambit there was this u.s poker open give me give me a little bit of an idea on the you know in golf there's the masters is the is the holy grail mm-hmm. what's like the order of chess tournaments and what can you win in some of these uh, events each year what like the grand prize
1: whenever i talk to chess players who also play poker they're like man i should have played poker way earlier there's so much more money here like even being like 2200 strength um in poker is going to get you so much more than if you're at that level in chess because then you're better than most people and if you go sit down at a a table you're going to have much better chances whereas in chess you're always just in um skill-based matchmaking so it's going to be very different uh chess chess is uh kind of like an art you know Uh, if you're in the top 10 in the world you're doing fine you're not crazy rich unless you're the world champion and even the world championship prize i think it's like uh some several million like i don't know exactly how much it is maybe i would guess two million for someone like magnus carlson and being the world championship and that being one of the biggest prizes i'm actually gonna google it um and the the point is that if you are a grandmaster you just don't take a lot you just don't make a lot of money so you, people don't play chess for money
0: okay so it's not like there's not like a circuit. Whereas I, I think you played with Dan Smith. He's also been on my podcast. Great poker player. Um, and I don't remember. I th- did you? How was that? How did you guys do? You played like five matches or something? Is that right? Or? Uh
1: yeah he, he 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 was much better than I I expected and I think I was a little bit um rusty so uh yeah he did very well and just to answer your question yeah so um it was like uh it was in like one million range for the world championship. Okay. So this is what I mean. people don't play chess for, for money.
0: Yeah. But I mean,
1: 1.1 uh, million euros, 1.25 million American for 2014.
0: Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So it's, but it's not something where people are literally like in the movie and they're flying around to stops. So they might have these chess tournaments, but it's not going to keep the light. You're, you're not going to make a living. There's not, there's not like a chess circuit where people are traveling tournaments to pay their bills. Like, whereas poker, there's like,
1: there's like, the grand chess tour, right? Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh,
0: yeah, Interesting. Very interesting.
1: Um, There's a grand chess tour, which has been sponsored by a billionaire in St. Louis, Rex Singfield. And that is the closest thing to it. And there's something like 10 players who play in it. Um, So it's still very elite, but that's kind of the point. If you're not in the top 10, maybe top 15 in the world, you're just not making a lot of money as a chess player and you have to supplement it with coaching or doing different things.
0: That's funny you say that because one of my very very good friends, Bill Perkins. He, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's pretty. Yeah, different. for sure. I played
1: Bill Perkins in Choker.
0: Oh, we just talked about that. Yesterday. Yeah, so you do know Bill. So he had this, and this was set up for 2020, the Skyler uh, right fund, and it was in Houston, and then it got it got postponed. But like, yeah, I mean, that, I guess that's just good when when you know like you said guys like that that are putting on and doing some stuff and throw some money into the into the game because they just like it and they, and they believe in it and they love it and um so yeah he's sort of in that same category doing stuff like that um and and is it is it a uh is it as fun as it was for you to play chess like you started at 6 you've just loved it uh you at a point now where we see i think your stream has shifted a bit too right it was mm-hmm. purely chess and now you're doing some variety streaming as well and and and, get, and attracting a different audience base uh do you still have the same love for the game as you've had or is it a little bit like all right i've played a lot of chess and i you know i'm i'm sort of at my at a high level like is there aspirations to go higher or you just kind of like all right i love it i have a community i'm teaching people i'm having fun and and i kind of just got where i am like and i'm good with it
1: i think i've switched from when i used to compete chess and i was studying a lot and training and result oriented to now it's like my favorite game it's one of my favorite hobbies regardless if i was streaming or not i'd still play a lot of chess um to now focusing a lot more on thinking about like the content side of things how i'm going to grow the grow the business. And this is something that I've been way more interested, like entrepreneurship generally is a much bigger passion of mine than chess is. And I really love reading more about startups or things that's going on or thinking how to grow than working on chess. The other thing is I get really addicted to studying chess. So like I I could potentially go for a goal and want to study chess three, four hours a day. But it's ironic, because that would actually make me worse at what I do on my day to day. Because say, instead of working on like, coming up for with a good twitch stream idea or coming up with good content i'm I'm studying for a game where if i'm trying to do it for the general audience and trying to get chess more relatable for people i mean it's more about communication it's not like if i gain another 200 points i'll be better at explaining honestly i might even be worse at explaining
0: (laughs) Right, and and how do you think uh, your teaching ability is? Because this is also just true through through any sport or poker. Like the best player in the world, or the best players may not be the best teachers. Do you do, you do chess coaching? Do people like do you reach out and, and ask you for one on one? Do you do that? And and, and do you think that uh, like where would you rate yourself as a as a coach, not a player? Because it's not necessarily the same, right? You don't it's like do you do right. enjoy it? Is it something that comes easy and you like to? So I,
1: I actually coached for like seven years from when I was twelve to nineteen in college until I started working. Um, on on the startup at the time. So I coached for a long time. I really like coaching kids because their energy is just uh, so contagious. And it's a huge pleasure right now. I don't do coaching anymore. um, In terms of one on one lessons, just because uh, I, I prefer to do it in terms of a bigger community event. So like I've done some group lessons or things like that. I hope I'm a good coach occasionally. It really depends because uh, I think if I focus on being educational, I can explain things well. But oftentimes it's a mix between being entertaining and edu- educational. And I probably tend to focus more on the former. Right, but yeah. uh, we'll have to test it out and see if my educational content is still good.
0: And and yeah no for, I agree with you completely it's like especially with you have your platform it's like yeah you're gonna coach one person even if they like your the rate you would charge or what it would be it's like you know why not you got thousands of people watching you and you can show them at a time and and and, and build your your uh, channel so I, that that seems to make right. a lot of sense tell me about Stanford and and what it was like that, where else did you uh, consider going uh, was that was that just your the obvious choice for you I've been to that campus I went to soccer camp there I actually almost played soccer there. i played uh soccer in college it was breathtaking that was that i mean the the campus is just so beautiful i mean they're the best in athletics they win the Sears cup i don't even know if that's a thing anymore but every year basically uh was it always stanford or where else did you look at
1: i did see that you used to play um soccer that is super cool that you're able to do both like a a mental sport and a real sport (laughs) yeah well
0: poker took over i basically got into college and i was just like i found poker was just booming at that time and i just like Mm -hmm. basically I was like all right you know i knew i wasn't going to play pro i wasn't good enough to play pro and i was just like all right i'm i'm uh i'm i'm segueing into into poker where there's a, a bit of money but um but yeah so tell me about tell me about stanford and and what yes. right there
1: So Stanford was actually my dream school. Um, When I was 15, I won uh, girls nationals in the U.S. And I got a full ride to the University of Texas at Dallas, which my parents really wanted me to go to because they Mm -hmm. came from Romania. And it's like all schools are the same. What's the difference between Stanford and University of Texas? I'll tell you what the difference is. Texas pays you. We pay Stanford. And they're like, why? Why would you do something like that? But when I was 15, they're like, you know what, like, sure, try to get in. And if you get in, then uh, you you can go because they're like, I'm oh, not going to get in anyways. Um, and then I ended up getting really lucky getting into Stanford. And then um, it was actually a lot of discussion with my parents, because even though Stanford did give financial aid, it was still expensive compared to just going to a state school, not worrying about student debt. And we really had to consider, is it worth it to go? And I'll, I'll, obviously, we ended up thinking it was worth it. And I still do to this day. Now, my parents are like, oh, we hope your sister gets in too. <laughs>
0: Right. That's uh that and is she is she, so she is going is she, you said she was going to college, or she's not now or she
1: Yeah, so she's on a gap year. She was going to go to University of Toronto in Canada and she decided to take a gap year because with COVID it would be a very different experience, but also she's really liked the content creation side and she's been helping and we're working together. So she sees it as a learning opportunity that she might as well take now and then um she's applying again to a couple schools and we'll see where she ends up going next year.
0: That that's awesome. What is, uh, do you feel if where your level is right now, do you think that you could like how much, like, is there a ceiling or do you think that it's just a matter of studying, practicing? Does that interest you to really go much further or no? Like, do you want to dive in and do you have any more goals aspirationally to increase your, your, your score? What is the max score by the way? I'm sorry. Is it 21 Uh,
1: for, for chess? Yeah. Um, so like the, the highest rating anybody has right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the highest rating is, like, 2,800. Um, and this is this is FIDE rating. My FIDE is, like, 2,100. Um, I, I play less FIDE tournaments than national-rated tournaments. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would like to get to at least 2,300, but I, I'm much more of a, I guess objective person in in terms of like what should I prioritize I really like playing chess but I care about other things more right now in this point in my life so I don't know if that if that goal is going to happen and also I can't play an over-the-board events again what probably if it wasn't COVID I would schedule a couple tournaments here and there and slowly try to improve my rating but since I can't do that and I there's even no fide tournaments for at least another year it's not even on my horizon right now.
0: For sure. And, and give me, give me a couple attributes as a, you know, poker, there's, there's a lot of different skill sets, but not necessarily the best player um, is going to, or I should say, you know, yeah, the most talented players. The best. Like any athletics, like in chess, what are some attributes that you just, that you need to have that are, you know, obviously is it like memory, you can visualize moves ahead. You have a, a photographic memory, these type of things. Like what is, what's sort of like the list when you look at a chess player, you say, okay, here's what they possess. Here's what they're lacking. Uh, what's the most important in your mind?
1: that's a good question what the different attributes are i mean um when it comes to memory i know there was a i think it was a national geographic maybe um documentary and it was with one of the polgar sisters with susan polgar or judith polgar and they were basically showing that she has this incredible memory when it comes to the game but if the pieces were rearranged randomly then she wouldn't be able to remember them as much so what i'm saying it's very specific to the game and i and I'm sure chess players, like the top chess players, like Magnus, the Judith Polgar, they have extremely high IQ. Um, but it, it's a combination of a lot of different skills and also cultivating those skills, particularly for the chess game um, properly over years and years that I, I don't even know if they're just general skills that apply to other industries or sports.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I would be would you say it's harder to learn poker or chess to get to like a basic level from what you understand of And what is your poker experience? Like I, I saw mm-hmm. you, I saw you getting some wins, like I said, in, in your stream, I did check that out, but uh, are you like, how, how would you rate your poker game? And is it, um, is it
1: I don't know if it was on a chess elo scale, maybe like 1100 or 1200. I'm not very good. Um, I do like playing a lot with friends and um, I used to play in like with work groups so people who are in the same industry and we'd have like a tournament a month or something like that and we'd actually pay um, some kind of cash entry so I really like doing that Um, I won one of those before with like 40-45 people that was probably just luck Um, I I really do enjoy it and for my friends who play chess and poker I I I don't know I I think most of them try to say that poker was easier for them to learn up to a certain level But that being said, from what I've seen, poker is way more complicated and it takes a different kind of skill set and nerves and psychology that chess players don't necessarily have.
0: Well, yeah, it's I mean, the, there's a lot of solvers. There's a lot of a lot of work, a lot of different, you know, you can deep dive into it. But it's similar to backgammon because actually mm-hmm. some of my friends that, that play poker now, they used to play backgammon and back there was oh, I love game. backgammon. It's a fun game that that to me is like the, the perfect mix between chess and poker. It's like pretty fast. There's some luck with the dice, but it's also you know, a very skilled game. But that was sort of what happened. That game dried up because mm-hmm. of the, the computers, you know, that it's solved in um, the money, like at least the money game sort of sort of stopped and then and, and it dried up a bit is there any chess players you know have like fully transitioned to poker
1: mm, fully transitioned um most of my friends who play poker still do both um yeah. and there may be like master level in in uh chess and also playing poker um uh richard is like a 2200 player i don't know if you've heard of him let me, I don't remember what his last name is. He's uh, the boyfriend of one of my close friends and he is like a very good poker player. He's a professional. He's also like 22, 2300 in chess, but I don't know any like top players, grandmasters who have fully transitioned.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's yeah, no, it's uh, I, I could see how, if they got the, you know, you get to play a little bit of mm-hmm. poker and you realize how much there is the prize monies and stuff, it could be something that people would want to you know mm-hmm. shift a bit into. Um, and And I definitely think chess is a great, great game to, as a poker player, sort of mental just exercise, learning, and, and, mm-hmm. and to play. So it definitely has a good crossover. What is the actual Queen's Gambit move? I, I looked it up, but can you explain it? Is that something, can you only do it if a cert, if your opponent plays certain things, or can you automatically like do a Queen's Gambit move what does that mean and then explain what that
1: yeah so so queen's gambit is a very common opening move so you know that most people play e4 so moving the king pawn two squares forward you can also decide to open it with a queen's pawn so moving that pawn two steps forward Mm -hmm. usually a gambit implies that you're giving up a pawn and you're usually giving up a pawn for some kind of compensation, like getting more peace activity in the opening. So then say that your opponent responds with moving their queen pawn twice, so of symmetrical position. And then you move your C pawn, which is to the left of the queen pawn, two squares forward. You're offering it up for a trade where if the person takes, you usually win the pawn back and um, it, it opens up the position a little bit. And it can be played from either side
0: very interesting and is that is that something do you know like when you go in a match and you play someone mm-hmm. uh expect, let's just take it the highest 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 level magnus carlson's and these guys and then uh Hikaru, right very mm-hmm. successful twitch channel it seems that, i think you guys are friends he's a very nice guy i've watched him stream seems seems like a is he one of the best two in the world is that is he up there in that top top level yeah he,
1: he he's been number one in in blitz this year as well like the, in the live rating so they're always changing so he's between number one to two in blitz in bullet which is one minute chess also similar range um rapid i think it's a little bit different but he's one of the best fast players in the world yeah
0: um i forget what like my, my question what i was saying on that so he so uh that does i did want to understand about blitz though how much different is that like a different tour and prize money in blitz and like that is that like a whole nother thing like is blitz regarded uh, how how are those uh Viewed amongst the community is like blitz just like a a fun version or is it like almost the same weight as as someone who just is like the best chess player, pure chess player in the world? Like, where would you say the uh, uh, the amount of weight given to each is? Mm -hmm
1: so the best chess player in the world is always going to be whoever the classical time control champion is so magnus carlson is going to be known as everybody and generally respected the most in classical chess um that being said there's still a world blitz and world rapid championship and in the grand chess tour by rex the, the billionaire who's supporting chess that we mentioned earlier um he also includes it in some of his larger events i think a lot of people in the chess community are starting to see a rapid and blitz chess, maybe as a next evolution of chess, especially with things online where they move at a much faster pace and also to just keep up with um, just how precise chess has become. Cause when you play a classical game, there's so much with theory computer um, preparation and, and people just making no mistakes. And then when they get to shorter time controls, that's when it becomes a little bit more human. Again, there's not, you know, a draw every single game or something like that
0: yeah and in uh how common are are draws you know this is something that i we saw in the movie i know like you can tie like i didn't understand that they really talked a lot about offering draws like i didn't understand like why you would offer a draw like unless it was going to be a draw like what someone wouldn't take a draw if if they thought they had a big advantage right or is that sort of idea like you offer a draw if it's like getting too close like i didn't understand i thought a draw just meant like there was no way out like checkers you know tie you tie you're gonna tie but in chess that's not the case like you just offer a draw uh is there just like a certain position when the pieces match up it's only a pawn and a king or something that's going to be a draw generally or or how does the drawing work
1: draws are actually very interesting in chess um it's almost a meme right now where everybody jokes that chess at the highest level always ends in a draw. So a draw being that neither player can win. And obviously if you would put people who play hundred percent correctly, then nobody would ever win. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And the more chess advances and players have all these tools and the better they become, the more likely a draw is the result in basically every single game, even with like a hundred point rating difference. So actually most results at high level play and in the world championship Are draws. You always see draws. Um, And tournaments have added some rules like you can't offer a draw before a certain move. That has to be respected. Um, But sometimes you see players offering draws in positions that are still complicated just because they don't want to risk it or they want to save their energy. So for example, one of the current top uh, grandmasters is grandmaster Wesley. So, and he's, you know, he, he definitely has chances to be a world championship contender one of these days. And you see his style in tournaments as somebody who, um, saves his energy for one specific game so he might have like a slight edge if you look at the computer but be willing to take a draw because he knows that he can draw all of these games but he really has to focus all of his energy on his game against Hikaru or something like that then you have players like Magnus who do not like taking draws they've been training and they grind out every single position even end games that look like oh the computer is giving it basically a drawn evaluation And then you see Magnus somehow squeeze water out of a rock and you don't even know how he does it so it, it depends on your playing
0: style yeah it's super that's really interesting so how does that work at that if there's a draw is like is literally like are people tying for the world championship or is magnus still just is it, if you have the title you have to beat them to get it so like magnus can just tie and hold it or how does that how does that how does a tie work at the final like the super bowl doesn't tie you mm-hmm. know like a winner so like how, how does it happen if, if the best are always tying or often tying uh in this format
1: Right. So, um, I mean, and and this has happened in in the last World Championship where in the classical chess they were tying. And what happens is if you tie the scores in all of the the games that you're playing, then you have to go to a shorter time control, like a rapid or a blitz. And then in in that second time control, they just have less draws because their game basically gets less accurate. So you're forcing players to become less accurate by having less time. um, And then you're able to actually have a decisive results. And what players will sometimes do is if they know that, they're much closer in strength in classical chess. But if they draw, they go to a rat uh, to a shorter time format where they have an edge over their um, competitor. Then they'll sometimes just go for that and take draws and be like, I'll just beat them in the shorter time format. Cause I'm better right. there.
0: Okay. That's uh that's really interesting. It's very similar again, to poker with the timing and the blinds, you know, they force mm-hmm. the clock goes up, the chips get less. And then there's just, you, you sort of force confrontation, right? Mm-hmm. There's a, you got to make a move or else you, uh, you yeah. So that's, very interesting. Tell me about being a uh, the champion. You won, I guess, uh, the U.S. Girls National at age fifteen or multiple times, right? Uh, how mm-hmm. many? Uh, like, what does that look like? Uh, doing that is that like a by a province? When are you win your city and kind of regionals and go to the nationals, or is it just like everyone shows up at a national tournament?
1: Yeah. So for for the national championship, this was the the one in the U.S. It was basically like any girl eighteen and under could compete in it. Um, so this was a tournament specifically for for girls. Basically kind of like the uh, scholarships that I mentioned where they give you some like opportunity and encourage you to keep playing. So it's weird because I won championship titles in these uh, tournaments that were just for girls. I always felt like it's not a real title. Um, And I felt like it was helpful in terms of getting scholarships or stuff like that. But I never thought that like, oh, I'm actually like very good for my age. I mean, I also won nationals over, uh, sorry, like high school championships in Oregon, like overall for anybody and things like that. Um, But that's at a much smaller scale.
0: Okay. Uh, Yeah. That's uh, interesting. And that was, and can't, so if you win, your in the U S or Canada or like a world, does, is that what happens? The champions come in and meet everywhere in the world or. or Yeah. So
1: if you win nationals and you can qualify for worlds, and then basically if you win that, then you end up the best uh, person in the world for your category.
0: And, and is there any countries, like, I guess, you know, as portrayed in this this show and I've always kind of understood that the, the Russia is very strong, you know, Canada, like Romania Uh, Give me sort of like a ranking country wise, just 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 not in order, but give me like five countries that are really historically very strong in chess.
1: Well, obviously, Russia is historically very strong. China is also extremely strong. India. um, So you have a lot of um, Eastern European and uh, Asian countries that tend to do historically very well. The U.S. has been better since they started kind of like importing players over. Um, Canada is terrible i love canada um, but, but we're not very good at chess so that's kind of been the historic balance of who's the best in the world
0: right how how about uh cheating in chess there's been some reporting and you know about allegations and mm-hmm. online chess uh, pretty common uh, gm's report that you're using solvers and stuff is this does this come up at all is this something you're worried about and in then integrity of the game is this do you feel this is a real problem or is this just once in a while thing?
1: So it's interesting because this used to be the biggest issue with hosting tournaments online. It is so hard to see if people are cheating if they're just playing from their computer because they can have an engine open and maybe only use it once or twice throughout the game. Or maybe they have a grandmaster who's similar strength to them that is sitting behind them and kibitzing one move or two. How do you know if somebody is cheating, especially when there's money on the line? Um and this is something that had to be set up a lot with COVID because you can't have online events in person anymore they have to be moved to online. And chess.com has definitely been leading um the change here because they put a ton of research into anti-cheating and they have a really good algorithm for it and they have grandmasters on the committee and they've been able to get it with extremely high accuracy to figure out if people are cheating. And um, obviously um not going to share any details about how they do that because we don't want to help people get um you know over it or something like that but on top of that they also have people having to have a camera or something like that being able to monitor them while they're playing so that has helped a lot but when you're just playing somebody randomly online yeah they could cheat against you and then you report them maybe you get your points back it's frustrating but you just kind of do it by an honor system and if it's for fun you hope your opponent's not cheating
0: yeah. And this is, again, with poker, there's the RTA real-time assistance sort of what we're talking about here. And it's kind of – with Twitch, it's interesting because, you know, you know you see people – like when I stream poker, it's like I'm here, I'm playing, uh, I'm the only one in the room. But that's kind of the problem is like the rules too. It's like all everyone else that is playing or you just don't know. Do they have a buddy? Do they call in? Like if you're, if you're staked by a player and you're deep in a big tournament – you call us a friend and like they go it's called ghosting right they like basically could help you um mm-hmm. and this is, these are the things that are really online you're right it's hard to prevent it's just part anytime there's money involved people mm-hmm. there will be people doing unethical things and and, and that there's going to be some issues and it's always cat and mouse like finding how out do they
1: control them. for this in uh poker tournaments I,
0: I mean you know again it's like it's there's rules there's uh it's it's hard. Like there was just a big scandal on this site called GG with the RTA, real time assistance, mm-hmm. and a player was shown, like his roommates found or whatever. You know, there were some pictures taken, and he was using like a supercomputer where he was playing, and then he would be plugging in into another computer. Um the, the what the computer would say is the best move in that spot and like you know obviously this is becoming more common, It's more uh there's faster computers there's there's things that can happen and that's sort of like at at a whole it's what is uh, in jeopardizing the the industry and and right yeah if a couple people do it um you know it's so like listen it's not good but that's like one thing but if now it becomes like standard you know similar to your point if everyone was just using a supercomputer to make every move there's no game like there's no money that the sites take the rake and uh you know good game poker but um, there's always there is ways to detect it um there's there's actually some pretty advanced sophisticated stuff similar to you like i I work with party poker directly and i have a a good idea of what's happening how they're controlling it there is bots and stuff they they detect they kick out uh they confiscate there's there is some some uh, protocols in place but it's uh it's Mm -hmm. scary because it's uh it it is a risk to uh to, to these type of games um
1: right but, and i was just gonna say that's one of the big differences between cheating in poker and chess right because in poker there's always money on the line versus in chess it's usually just like internet chess points which don't really count so i think it's it's much harder to deal with in poker
0: for sure no it is and then also yeah there's a lot of a lot of big big prizes and tournaments and in cash games and it's uh you know listen again anytime there's money anything whatever it is there will yeah. be some um, some type of uh people finding angles and in in, in 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 ways uh, we have a ton of questions on twitter i definitely want to get to some of those who was i had to ask you that, that poker match the other night who are you playing is that a friend was that yeah is, is it a who was that that you were battling
1: yeah it's one of my good friends and he's also a chess master and we were just uh playing some friendly poker for some bets
0: for some, that's okay. I, and I got to I got to ask it. Um, I, a lot of questions too. I saw some Twitter questions and also uh, people in chat. People asking about um, availability. Are you your sister? Are you guys on the market? Are you taken? Is it private? Can you t- talk about any uh, your personal stuff? Are you, do, you uh, do people have a chance out there? That's what they want to know.
1: That's that's pretty funny. I mean, uh, no, I'm I'm not seeing anybody right now. I did a Tinder sponsorship like a few weeks ago, so I already talked about that, and I think people know. Uh, that, th- that being said, I am, I'm not like Ill- particularly looking right now. I'm much more focused on just uh, how t- things are going.
0: A Tinder sponsorship. Really? I've never, yeah. I've never seen that. That's pretty that was awesome. You know, that's really, that's something I, I will say. So I'm, I'm married and I have a 18 month old son Tinder. I caught like a tiny bit when it was first starting out. I so I'm familiar with it. I've heard crazy things now. Like I honestly haven't seen what it looks like in three or three, four years. Like I remember seeing some friends do it, but there's like stuff where you could pre like go. So you're saying like, oh, I'm going to uh, Vegas next week, but I live in California and it's oh, like yeah. you say you're going there. And then like, you already like start doing that. And there's other, like a service you pay per month and all this crazy stuff. So I can't even imagine what's going on right now with the dating apps and like what kind of, uh, what kind of stuff they got going on. But, um, Tinder, I know I, it's common now. I mean, I meet people mm. all the time who are like, Oh, you know, my, yeah, we, we met on Tinder. We met on this. It's like almost, I'd say it's over 50% of people meet on these, um, on day de- on these type of services or apps. So, um, but that's cool. That's uh, that's awesome. I never heard of anyone have a Tinder uh, sponsorship. So very, very cool. Um, Thanks. yeah. And, uh, okay. So let's definitely, let's hit some Let's hit some questions on Twitter. I know you have a, a jammed pack day. When, what's your streaming schedule right now on Twitch? Do you do, you do weekly schedules or do you just kind of try to go live as much as possible? Or how do you uh, let people know when you're going? I, I
1: try to announce a couple of the streams we have. Like, for example, on Sunday, I'm playing against Vitalik Buterin, the, uh, one of the founders of Ethereum. And that's super hype. So I announced that. But then other times it's a little bit random.
0: I saw that. Are you so I also saw I think it was on your Twitter something about Bitcoin that cause it was back to seven <laughs> and, and it was just like a kind of a joke like, oh like yeah, now we're back to even uh,
1: where I, it was. Well, so. cause I, I started learning a little bit about cryptocurrencies in like twenty sixteen and then the peak was in twenty seventeen. Um, and I just remember the chaos that happened then, and just like people who were like, "Oh, so, should I still be buying at 17k?" And then obviously it went down. A lot of people got burnt, and yeah. then I was like, "Oh, it's happening again." And I thought of that meme with like Goofy just looking insane, like I got burnt, but I'm going to do it again. And I thought yeah. it was so funny, but maybe it wasn't.
0: No, no it is, but it's, it's it's close to home. I'm sure to a lot of people. But it's uh, we have a joke in poker. I actually got in ex- uh, 2016 as well. I hit a there's a site where they deal with Bitcoin on ACR mm-hmm. and I got paid, I hit a 141K uh, score from $500, got paid wow. in crypto, all crypto. I didn't really know what, like I had. I knew what it was, but I didn't keep it all. I got some of it, left some of it in that, and uh-huh. it kind of like went to the moon and then whatever. Um, but I, it's the same thing though, cause it's all entry point, you know, it's like if you right. got 700 2000 or 3000, okay. But what happened was, and how we knew it was gonna it was, it was gonna go down was uh, we had like jokes like any you know in Vegas we were like all right you know in the the massage like girls at games like when you have private games yeah. like, like, massage when they're like taking tips in Bitcoin and they're talking about it and you know taxi cab driver like you're in a taxi and the driver's talking about it, I was like oh this thing's gonna this thing's going to the to, to the bottom like this is right just, because it's 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 the
1: dumb buyers that yeah, you're applying. Right. Yeah. but that's actually I mean, interesting I, because I
0: stereotype but you know like, it just felt like I, I could just tell that it was uh it was it was something not good coming and and it does feel different this time like it feels like it's got backing the banks the people like people and it just feels like it's really got some stability now but i mean it's it's, it's like it's not really appetizing to come in right now because you know it dropped 80 percent like seven times so it's right. kind of like hard to come in at this price point for a significant amount because you just know you're 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 a bit exposed but like seeing it at 100k a coin in two years doesn't seem crazy at this point but i don't know you know anything it's no guarantees out there um but that's really cool about ethereum i mean that's obviously ethereum's doing very well there's a lot of other coins doing well and and that guy yeah, I'm I'm familiar with him as well. So that's pretty cool. Is he is he known to be a good chess player or what's the connection? Um he,
1: he he really likes chess and I heard it from from some of my friends in the crypto space and I I was obviously a big fan. I was like, "Oh, it'd be really cool if he'd be down to play a game." So then I ended up tweeting and one of my friends who knew him saw and ended up like helping making it ha- make it happen. So it, it'll be fun. I think he's like 1500 or so.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's cool. Ethereum, I yeah, know Ethereum definitely uh yeah, that those are like obviously the two, two leaders, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and, and some right. others. it'll be interesting to see how it emerges, uh, what, what works and, you know, in, in a few years, if that's what we're all using is, is cryptocurrency. It makes sense though. You know, like uh, the example of, if you take your net worth or you're in a country, you got to flee, you got to go, like you can't, you know, diamonds or you can't really take your, you know, you got your, you can just take it on a little driver on your thing and then move around. I, I mean, I, I believe in it. I think it's great, but, um, we'll see if it's going to, if it's going to stick what uh oh the blindfold match i before we take the questions on Twitter, what was this Mm -hmm. i thought you played i watched a bit of it and at the end it was it was exciting you were playing blindfolded with your sister here it is on uh youtube what he you played how is he playing blindfolded what actually so he
1: car is so good at blindfold chess he's like definitely he he plays at least like 2500 i know it says 2400 here rating um, but he's super good at visualizing things in his head. So we played a match where he couldn't see the board. and of course, he still wins because he's still at Grandmaster level, even like that. But it was a lot of fun, and my little sister actually got very close in this game. It's our most viewed game. It's our first one that got over a million views, so that was super exciting.
0: Yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. I just, I don't understand like how, so what he hears what you do and then he moves.
1: Yeah. So somebody was helping him to tell him the moves. And honestly, he actually cheated a little bit against Andrea, not cheated. It's a friendly game. I don't want to have any bad implications, but basically the person who was telling him the moves just started moving for him at the end because otherwise he would have lost on time. So.
0: Right. Yeah. So I guess yeah. that's a bit of a caveat. Uh, it,
1: it's a little bit. It's like he didn't end up finishing the game, but usually when you do blindfold, you let the person in the last five seconds uh, have somebody take over. Cause it's just impossible otherwise. So I don't want to, I'm not trying to like rub anything in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But no, it's uh, it, it, I I can't believe it came down. It goes that it comes down that close, but I guess that's uh, it's Yeah. Just, uh, very, very Andrea
1: crazy. was so close and then she flagged. I'm so, it's sad. It's sad to see.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I've never heard anyone playing blindfolded, blindfolded chess. So that's, uh, that's, that's very, very cool. Well, again, people can follow you on uh, Instagram, which one do you prefer you like Twitter, Instagram is, is, is Twitter where you let people know you're going live. Like, what's Yeah, the on Twitter,
1: I let them know. And I sometimes post on Instagram stories. Also, I, I don't really like taking photos of myself too often. But I do like using stories, because it feels like you could just do it quickly you don't have to overthink it well,
0: i mean all social media is merging right twitter now has stories so uh, yeah why I, I,
1: are they doing this we don't need this everywhere we're addicted enough like oh you, come you, on man
0: did you see the social dilemma
1: yeah i did yeah. i think I, I think the social dilemma was way too eerie though i, I thought it overplayed too it many things much.
0: Like the people controlling the notifications like in in your yeah. like in your head that was, it was a bit creepy but i mean the point definitely is there that uh, I mean, if you look at like screen time on your phone and what you're in just in general, like uh, the overall person, it's just, it's kind of crazy. Like it, it is, uh, it is, I mean, we're close to cyborgs where it's just built into our, into our, you know, arm like,
1: yeah, the, I'm just waiting for Neuralink, you know, and then, uh, that's, that's what I'm here for in my lifetime.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and, uh, what about kids do you, is that, do you uh, obviously you're very young, you are at plenty of time, you're busy, you got a full schedule. What about, uh, the the prospect of having a family and children? Is that something you would like? Or have you even just not even thinking about it yet?
1: So I'm a little bit nervous because I haven't really had the desire for a family or kids pop up just yet. I've talked to some of my older um, girlfriends and they say like at some point, like you really want to have kids or something like that. I'm like, okay, well, well, hopefully that's going to happen eventually. Um, But right now that's not really something I'm thinking of.
0: For sure. No, yeah. I would, I, it, you're, you've, uh, I would imagine that's not, especially when you're doing a lot, when you got your, sort of in your, you, you got a lot of content, you got, you're busy. It's not. Yeah. I already have,
1: I already have many children who watch my stream. You know, we take care of all of them. We make sure they're, they're behaving. I'm just kidding. All right. There
0: you go. So it's, yeah, you know, you're good. You, you might, yeah. yeah. Um, and the last thing before, so I keep thinking of exciting things. I, I'm so no, go for it. Go things. for it. I really am. Uh, you're you're it,
1: doing I, a great job with the podcast. You're very good at like uh, transitioning things and not uh, skipping a beat.
0: I'm, I, well, the problem is that no, my problem with podcasting is it's like Twitch because when I'm on, you know, on Twitch, you're basically mm-hmm. talking to a camera for 10 hours or whatever at a time with no one really talking back to you. So I, I try to, yeah, cut me off. I, I talk a lot. So, you know, that's my, that's the one thing I'm trying to work on a lot with the, uh, Podcast is let the guest actually talk. Um, what about business? I saw you did you you ventured. Looks like you raised uh, a, over a million in a venture capital funding. It's more it was-
1: like eight hundred twenty-five k, but I, oh, no. I, I round
0: up to a million. A Million sounds clean, sounds good for um, people
1: who don't know. So there's just. Some what, reference.
0: And what, what, is that, what exactly was that capital finance? I saw you were co-founded in a crowd amp, which was a social media company, machine learning to, to reach multiple followers. I think that is no longer. Yeah. So,
1: So basically what we were doing is, you know how a lot of celebrities are sharing a phone number now?
0: Oh yeah, I've seen like Gary Vee do that and some. Yeah, stuff
1: yeah, yeah. Gary V was actually one of our um, advisors. Um, so, so basically, people give out a phone number because they want to have a direct line to their fans. So we started working on that, and we had a level, layer of AI on top of it that would help the. Um, influence or be able to reply more efficiently so for example we would group together all of the texts that had a similar meaning so if a lot of people ask something like when are you going live what time's your next stream at when is the next stream so different ways of asking it we'd say like you got a thousand messages asking when are you going live and then they could write one message and we would send it out individually to all of them so basically we were just trying to make a communication more efficient and right. we were using text message because Um, it it was one of the platforms we could control. So for example, we could do it with Instagram DMs as well to help people reply automatically, but that was against terms of service. And if we ended up growing, we'd eventually get shut down. Mm. Um, and, And we actually were working with a lot of, tiktok influencers tiktok was musically at the time so we had like all the biggest tiktok people using it but their audience was so young it was like 12 and 13 at the time that we couldn't really monetize them and i think we started working on this a little bit too early where people actually didn't really care as much about the ai part and uh, then we tried selling it to businesses but our accuracy wasn't high enough for businesses they didn't want to trust it with their customers who are paying and it's very expensive if they lose it so then we we ended up kind of in an awkward place
0: Interesting. And is that is that something, though, that uh, doing this type of stuff business wise, entrepreneurship, is that very interesting to you? Like, is that something you want to pursue? And are you taking doing investments? Are you actively looking at stuff like that? Or are you more just focused on on Twitch content, building your brand at the moment?
1: Um, Well, I'm not doing any angel investing. I think to be an angel investor, like the rule of thumb is you only invest the amount of money you would spend traveling to a vacation. I'm just not rich enough to be an angel investor nowhere close. Um, But I'm always thinking in terms of like a business mind frame, I think. I mean, we did we did a lot of. Accelerators as well. So we did Y Combinator before. We did one at Stanford called StartX. So we did a show plan of the app. So we did a ton of these, and then we worked with a lot of really good investors. And I think whatever I do next, I'm more interested in bootstrapping a company, so not raising investment capital right away. Because when you do take any kind of VC money, they're they're giving you VC money with the hope that you have a chance to be a billion dollar company. And even if it's like a you know a ten percent chance, they have ten portfolio companies. They'd rather push you towards doing something that that's huge, even if it's more most likely to fail rather than something that you have a higher chance of success, but they don't want you re- to return 100 million. That's not going to help them uh, get their fund in for the next company. So I'd rather have control and make sure that I'm creating a product of value and not just thinking about scale over taking money and then have it influence my decisions to always feel the pressure to make something bigger, unless... I've worked on something. I put my own money in for for like two, three years. It's doing well. And then investment makes sense. Kind of like companies like Credit Karma, Who their first investment ever was a a Series A rather than seed capital.
0: Look at you! You're from the the you know tech uh, tech area at Stanford. You got. got, It looks like you have a lot of business sense and understanding and terminology. So that's uh, you're you're off to at least a a good start. It looks like you know what you're. you're I mean,
1: I don't think so. If I did, maybe we wouldn't have failed. Like we spent three years of my life on something that just collapsed. So yeah, I I don't
0: know. (laughs) That's part of it, though. Like a lot of a lot of the. I mean, that's. I'm sure you learned a ton, and and it you know it was probably a couple breaks here and there that could have you know just out of your control like you said like some of these companies and what they used or analyzed or data how it matched up just didn't click but i I mean it's not way you know i would imagine you learned a ton and and have a lot of experience and it sounds like you just based on what you were saying there you you do um tell me about languages you speak five languages, Romanian, Mandarin, Spanish, French and English. But uh wh- You know
1: how people say they speak languages on LinkedIn and then they yeah. have the interview and they're like, okay, time to cram. Um yeah, I, I, I did speak all these languages at some point. Um like Romanian and English is, is pretty decent. I did do school in French in Canada and then I did Spanish in high school and Mandarin in college. But basically if I don't practice I get really rusty. Yeah. So it, it, it's hard to keep up, but they, I was pretty, pretty good at them in the past.
0: Nice. That's a, that's a lot. That's a lot of language. That's uh. that's, those are some good ones that Mandarin. That's impressive. I mean, to even learn be able to take some of that, that's a, it's a whole nother beast of a language. There's no, I, mean, yeah, I, I should have
1: learned the only language that matters programming, you know, over yeah.
0: Mandarin. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one for sure. All right. Let's uh, let's hit some of these questions. Cause I know you are, you got things to do. We got to get it. We got to get you. We got to get some of the questions for today, though. Look, a lot of lot of engagement. Let's go through and uh, some of these mm-hmm. I actually looked at, and I wanted to ask myself. So, best chess memory? I like that. What's what's something that stands out? Was it winning the national? Something? Was it just their first time? What was what was it for you? Best memory?
1: Um, I think my best memory is actually uh, when I was a young girl, and my dad liked trolling other players because they wouldn't take me seriously. So I have a couple in that realm. Um, but I remember he would like to take me to the park where they would play chess and he would go, Hey, can my young daughter also play? I'm trying to get her in the game. And then I'd sit down and he'd be like, sweetie, don't forget the horse. He moves in the L shape. Okay, it's so so. Make sure it's moving three squares, not four. And I'd be like, "Okay, Dad." And then like we'd sit and we'd like hustle, and then get angry over time that we beat them. And I'd be like, "Who is this girl?" And then my dad would find it so funny
0: that's amazing that's like the uncle drew you ever see those commercials <laughs> with uh, Kyrie irving like he dresses up as the old man he goes to the park and he starts like slam dunking on people oh that's hilarious like, have, you, have you ever seen that per- no uh, i haven't
1: but you, i have to check him out all
0: right listen to me rounders and uncle drew type okay. those two things in and, and you'll thank me later because yeah like, i'm gonna oh, save fun. them i mean they like they do this full makeup on the guy Kyrie irving like they you know pepsi does this like sponsored thing and he like <laughs> goes, he talks like the guy he, he calls like him young bloods he's walk goes in the park he can barely they, like they stay fake an injury so a guy like come he comes in they're like uncle drew come in here and then he like starts like you know jogging around real light and like barely in the next thing you know he's like crossing over people and he's like <laughs> throws it off the backboard slam it's all it's honestly like one of the best skits i've ever seen so oh that's yeah.
1: awesome yeah, yeah. i, I haven't saved i need to watch
0: it uh, your dad send it to your dad too because he'll, he'll <laughs> oh he'll, he'll, he'll love it he'll yeah, love it too much right Up his, his alley uh favorite sport what about sports growing up do you play any or do you like to watch any
1: um I always did sports pretty casually, like a little bit when I was young. I did gymnastics for a while, but then I, I didn't do any sports like in high school or, or on a college team. So I would just play basketball or volleyball with friends, just um, usually as a social activity and for exercise.
0: Very cool. Uh, let's see um, what. Yeah. OK, so chess, we see Jamerson ask what is uh, chess is considered a mental sport. What sets it apart from other sports? What, what do you think? is the biggest difference between chess and some of the other mental sports or or just in general, like what's different about chess?
1: Um, I think chess is like one of the most intense mental sports um, because it's something like, you know, four to six hours per game, including um, looking over things before and after. And it's one of those games where even if you have one lapse in focus or concentration, that can be enough to lose. So the stakes are so high. It's completely on you. Um, and it's totally your fault if you lose because it's an information perfect game, right?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty fascinating. The game, I gotta say, I'm I'm like in. I want to dive in back in. I used to play with my dad when I was little, like very little. But I I, I literally. I'm just, I just feel like I'd be that guy. You sit there and like, take a long time. How annoying is it? Like, do you ever play? You can't really just play with a friend casually doesn't play, but you know, like to sit with someone who's like really slow or like, if you, or do you only play time chess, like do you ever just like play around with no time or is it all, any game you play? It's like where you click and, and it's timed in
1: right now. It's all timed in. Um, I, I don't remember the last time I played a friendly game without a clock. I think I'd go nuts. I, I, I don't think I have the patience have anymore. Here, right? Cause yeah. if it's not for a tournament or a competition, um, then it, it's weird for me to enjoy chess if it's not competitive.
0: Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Um, what is what is actually the difference? Can you break down the timing between Blitz, Bullet, and what's like the regular term, uh, game? How mm-hmm. long do you have on the clock for a regular game of chess?
1: Yeah, so Blitz is usually five minutes or three minutes with two seconds added per move. Bullet is one minute. Um, sometimes included in it is Hyper Bullet, which is 30 seconds. And then rapid time controls start like, 10 15 minutes they can even go to like 25
0: and i'm sorry what like the standard tournament or what they play for the world championship how long is that game each
1: game the the standard is something like gonna last between four to six hours so you have i don't remember if it was an hour and a half or two hours with 30 seconds added per move and then if you make something like 40 moves you get another hour hour and a half added after
0: Mm, okay uh how many women would you say play chess at, at your level or, or high, like the highest level? Like what, is there like 10, mm-hmm. is it a hundred? Like what is the amount of women that you would say are play at the, one of the highest levels?
1: Um, so I guess it depends what you'd say the highest level, because um, I think if you look in the top hundred, we maybe have one woman right now, we fan um, we've had Judith Polgar, who was in the top 10. She was the best woman ever in chess so far in terms of her ranking. I think she was something like number seven. Um, so I I guess it really depends how you measure it, but regardless, if you look at places like the U S chess federation and players who actually end up registering, um, the amount of female participation is really increasing. It's something from like five to 15% over the last couple of years. And now I think it's getting even closer to 20,
0: 25%. Yeah. It's uh, okay. Well, that's, that's good. That's good. news. it sounds like it's actually real progression there. What, uh, what's your favorite food?
1: I love sushi and most kinds of Asian food. I really love Asian food. Um, I, I always have, so I'm a big fan. What about you, Jeff?
0: That's mine. Thai. I love Thai Asian mm-hmm. food. I, I, I had a. I think my parents had a nanny who was Asian when I was little, and they said like I just I ever since I just that's literally I could eat every day. I could eat. I could order Thai and just be happy every day. I could eat there you every go. Every yeah, yeah my, I feel that. My, my favorite for sure. Favorite places you have traveled in the world. What's your What's your favorite cities?
1: Um, I went to Turkey for my first World Chess Olympiad ever in 2016. And that was definitely one of my favorites. Um, I think it was also combined with the fact that it was my first time playing in the Olympiad. So I was super excited. The city was beautiful. Um, I played better than I expected. So it was just such a fun memory. And then I, I also lived in Beijing for like six months. And that was such a unique experience. I'd love to go back and visit when things open up a little bit.
0: That, that's two of my favorites. Uh, well, not favorites, two of my more m- memorable places. I went to Beijing for the 2008 Olympics, and I just remember this was like before technology was all the way there. So, like, literally no one spoke one word of English. And I, you know, you had a it was just a mess, like getting around and couldn't have had more fun, though. Absolutely legend. Like, it's too much fun of a trip. But yeah, that was, uh, that was cool. And, and uh, Turkey, actually, Istanbul, also, you know, the Europe and Asia split by the Bosphorus and just. Not, uh, Beautiful, beautiful city. I I, I would agree with that. Really special place. Um, What uh, would you suggest to do to popularize chess to the level of top sports? Do you think there's, you know, we see the show, Queen's Gambit, obviously. We see yourself, your sister, other, other, you know, Maya Rudolph and these other players that are streaming, doing content. But what do you think else could be done to sort of elevate chess to another level? Do you have any ideas there?
1: Well, I think the answer is popular culture, Um, obviously as we mentioned today during the podcast queen's gambit has had more of an impact on the popularity of chess than the former world championships did at least in terms of like google trends so who basically drives popular culture celebrities influencers so you need these big personalities who actually get into it and have an audience that is more casual and relatable so making it entertaining for for the average person and not just the niche chess user how can somebody on an individual level do it i don't know that's a lot more difficult um mostly the people who have the the potential to change the culture um aren't the ones who are naturally interested in chess like we had we saw huge changes on twitch when the biggest streamer xqc was playing chess that helped drive numbers up a lot so i'm like for example if xqc was streaming chess every day for like the next year i think that would have a huge impact bigger than what anyone in the chess world could do
0: yeah, it's, it's it's funny, too, because that's the same thing where, where poker shifted a ton in the last decade. You know, a lot of the major sites would sponsor the top one, two, three guys in the world. They were just winning the highest tournaments or whatever, but it shifted a lot to content. You know, they want people that are doing content that are on Twitch streaming mm-hmm. because it's like, what well, you know, some of these guys, they don't really, that aren't as personable necessarily or, or they choose not to be. Not that they're not personable, they're just quiet. They do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they focus on being great at, at poker, but they're not really you know, outgoing or sharing and, and doing that. And that's, uh, yeah, the better players that get in and start doing this type of content, I think, uh, it definitely, definitely helps a lot. Uh, we've seen, um, so many questions I see here about Queens gambit. I, I really, I really just love the show, but what do you, you mentioned a couple of things at the beginning that you thought were not exactly accurate. They could have done a better job. I saw something I believe Gary Kasparov was, uh, either, um, I don't know if he was uh, sort of like overseeing or giving suggestions. They obviously had some chess. Uh, it's either the person who created the show or they had some mm-hmm. kind of uh, consulting and to get stuff right. But are were you surprised a bit, like some of these like little things mm-hmm. that maybe were kind of easy to – not so difficult to not to have it more authentic. Are you, were you surprised that some of those were off or was it just not that big a deal anyway, or they did it for a reason. Do you think?
1: I, I guess I was surprised because I feel like it'd be really easy to check what rating is considered prodigy. You don't even need a consultant for that. It takes right. like a five minute Google search to realize yeah. even with the inflation of ratings, like 1800 is nowhere near a prodigy. Um, that being said, eighteen hundred is mumbo jumbo to most people. So, like for ninety nine point nine eight percent of their audience or whatever, it doesn't really matter. So, in the grand scheme of things, I actually don't think that made a difference. So,
0: right, yeah, it's the same thing though. It's like kind of like one of those things. It just seems like low hanging fruit if it's like that, those type of things for the chess die car. You know, really people that are so into it and know about it, like to just match that stuff up. Um, what about? Would you say you prefer playing chess online or live?
1: Um, I think. If I could only pick one, I'd probably do online chess because it's much more convenient. But I have an itching for classical chess. It's one of my favorite things to do, like a chesscation, or you take like a week off if you do get any vacation and you go to a new country and you have one chess game a day, you're focusing, you're preparing, and then you also do a little bit of tourism. So that is something that I really enjoy doing just for fun.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, I think, yeah, live, it's always, I, I, it's hard to, you know, when you can just do something online, though, with, with uh, streaming, you can play so many games, you know, you're right there, you hop in another thing, you stream a game, whereas, like, it's the same with poker live. You go, I could play 20 games on a Sunday, uh, tournaments, different things, or if I get knocked out, I'm in another, but live, you travel all this way, you do all this stuff, which is fun, it's good to mix in a bit of everything, but it's just a lot of work for, like, one thing, you get knocked out, and it's uh, just a completely... Completely different experience, right? Have- if, if you have bad games, then it's like
1: you're just in a bad mood the entire time. So it's a little bit of a risk.
0: Yes, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 for sure. That it's a lot of it's a difference there. Um, who you have a favorite couple streamers? Uh, we have a question here from. Norberto asking who's your favorite poker streamer. I doubt you're watching in your spare time.
1: Easy with aces. Uh he's an Irish streamer. I think he's hilarious. He also played a little bit of chess and competed in pog champs too. But I think he's super entertaining and yeah. it's really fun watching his games.
0: Yeah, Finton. No, he's he's great. Yeah, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of those guys that I know are really into chess. Matt Staples also pretty into it. Um, and I think you know Matt, but they're like it, it really is a similar there's a similar uh it's just, it's fun to me. I love, like, I think it's just when you don't really know the game and you get to tune in and watch another game, it's very, it's fun, you know, like to get that, that feeling back, like trying to learn something new. It just is fun to watch like chess. I really do enjoy yours for and I try to come in, but I think, do you feel the same thing? You're not really watching so much because you're so busy with your own content, your own streaming. Like when you're off, streaming, you're not just like, oh, I'm going to go like, I want to go watch another poker or I mean, another you know, chess stream. Uh, do you do some of that just even to like see other styles and to learn a bit on how they do their shows? Or do you just not have time on doing that? Like, do you find yourself watching other streams?
1: So I, I don't spend that much time watching other streams. But when I do, um, it's usually streams that I want to learn from. And they're mm-hmm. actually usually not chess streamers. Like, for example, somebody who I, I watch more often is Ludwig. He is a variety streamer and he is just so good at what he does and at creating content. And he does it with so many different games. Like he even did it with chess. Um, Now he's playing Among Us. Um, He's able to just create videos that are like pre-recordings for a viral YouTube video.
0: Um, And
1: I try to learn from that.
0: I I recently came across him as well, and he's I think he's going to be on the podcast here. I just talked to him coming up, but I had not heard of him. And then I I, same thing I saw I was like wow, it's really interesting. He was like doing election coverage, and I was like, Mm -hmm. is this guy like a political guy? But like I think he was just does a lot of everything. That's uh, I agree with you on that. Is it is nice to sort of see like I pick up little scenes or how people are doing. I think that's the big thing on Twitch is if you can find higher production value things that are kind of fun or make it more Mm -hmm. engaging, like a real show. uh, it, It does it does help. A lot. Uh, I got. There's literally. You set a record here. So I got. I I know. You tell me. I'm gonna. You tell me a couple more, and we'll we'll do it. You just. I I, got to cut me off. We'll knock. No worries.
1: So so let's do like two more questions, and then you can pick them, and we'll go from there.
0: Perfect. Perfect. I like this one right here. What about what attracted you to streaming? What was your first? engagement with twitch like when when you were at stanford or in college and did someone tell you hey you got a stream or did you see a streamer and you're like i could do this how did that start for you
1: yeah so i actually um dated a streamer when i was as my first boyfriend like one of the chess bras and he was really eric was really into streaming um, so then I would like be on the stream occasionally and that's how I got my first glimpse of it. And then even after that in college, I remembered it. I thought it was pretty fun. Um, I talked a little bit with chess.com about doing some content and then it just started being a hobby.
0: How, how is, uh, chess.com how supportive and active are they with, uh, with streamers? Like, do they, um, do they do stuff? Are they, are they sponsoring streams? Do they give, mm-hmm. are they putting money to, to Twitch? Like what, what is Chess chess.com's actual sort of overall like is it a, is it a privately owned or is it a is it a uh, um, is it one person or is it sort of a organization
1: yeah chess.com is a privately owned uh, company and they have a chess streamer program so they do work with a ton of chess streamers and they are basically the first ones to be on twitch and have a partnership with twitch and start having any benefits and encouraging people to uh, stream online and they still do that now so Um, I think Chess.com has been really encouraging towards streamers. I think at some point maybe they did a lot and people had super high expectations of them. And then they'd be like upset that why they weren't getting more like a small amount of people. But I think in the grand scheme of things, Chess.com has done more for streamers than any other platform. And uh, they really were the ones who just started it and the other companies followed.
0: Very, very interesting. And let's do the last one. Who is your... Who is your rival in chess? I know you're good friends with, is it, I'm sorry, I said Maya Rudolph, I believe. Is it Anna Rudolph? I think I said Maya Rudolph earlier. I'm <laughs> um, sorry about that. I know she's. Uh, she also played in the Choker and, and she's, uh seems like a very, very talented uh, player. And she, I think, is a streaming good friend of yours. Who's your sort of like rival? Who's tough? Who do you just like battle with that you go head and head?
1: Well, right now, it's much more on people who I battle with on streams. So, uh, for example, my friend who I played poker with, he's a national master, John. Um, we have a ton of matches. I think we play like a couple of a week just for fun. So right now, it's more people who I'm close to who are also a similar chess rating who I just like to play a lot.
0: Okay. Well, that's uh... – that is that makes that makes a ton of sense. So we are going to do a giveaway. We got a hundred eleven dollar ticket courtesy of Party Poker. I'm going to let you wow. for us. So I'm going to let you click the button on that. And oh, that's yeah. exciting! I can yeah. click
1: the button here.
0: Yeah. Well. Well. Uh, uh, what's it uh, verbally? You can tell me. I'm going to. You tell me when. Okay. To, we'll, we'll do it. Give me one sec here. Let's load this up. I'm telling you stream, I'm teaching you things. I taught, we got rounders, uncle drew Streamyard, And then this, uh, this competition agency, I don't know if you do some of these draws, but it's kind of fun. Cause it's,
1: I'm, uh, a, I'm excited. I'm learning a lot. Streamyard seems so cool. The, uh, program that you're using for this, for people watching who don't know.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, it's definitely a nice, nice tool. All right, let's go to here. So you tell me. You tell me when, and I will, someone who engaged by retweeting and asking a question is going to get a shot here at $111 ticket. So you just tell me when I'm going to, I'm going to roll it. All right, do it. We're going. There it is. There was a lot. I think you set the record. You were, you were right up there, maybe tied with, uh, in the same ballpark amount of engagement and questions. So very cool. A lot of interest in chess. Uh, Oh,
1: I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, I'm I'm very happy that you came on. I know you were kind of traveling or moving or doing stuff and it's not easy. It's you know, if people think like streaming or, uh you know look at this still loading a lot of people a lot of people involved here uh it is uh it's a lot of work and we got the winner right here H-E-I sends oh Heisenberg I was saying H-E-I Heisenberg like the name good show as well Breaking Bad we're gonna send him a ticket he's gonna win $111 oh looks like he won another ticket some guys just have all the luck this guy wow really he,
1: he's getting really lucky that's such
0: didn't respond that. last time maybe, maybe he just doesn't need it you know he won 55 ticket and he didn't didn't, uh, he won something in July and didn't respond? So I don't know. Well, if uh, if he doesn't get back, we'll have to reroll the uh, the 111. But any any closing points you want to make here on uh, chess, your vision, your, the future, uh, what you got coming up next? Give us a give us something to to go out and ride off in the sunset today with. Any any no, message? Anything about sexism, uh, chess? I don't know. No, or- no,
1: I'm gonna keep it positive. I, I think. A huge misconception about chess for people who are adults is that it's not worth getting into because you can never be a grandmaster or anything like that. And I just want to encourage anyone even if you haven't played chess until now it's one of those games that you can start enjoying at any level especially because you're playing people who have a similar rating to you online and learning and improving is super rewarding it's a very fun hobby i mean you know watch uh, queen's gambit but then instead of wasting your time on netflix try to do something that engages your brain and makes you feel happier like you're actually being able to accomplish something so I, i would recommend that chess is something that anybody can play and enjoy
0: That's awesome. And I'm going to, I'm going to not be impeccable with my word. I'm going to ask you one last thing. What is it? Cause what do you feel that chess teaches and translate into the real world most? Like what thing do you learn or or sort of uh, what, what attribute or feature do you think that you just like can apply? If you told someone, Hey, you're going to play chess and you tell a parent to get their kid into it. What can they, they get out of that? That would teach them real life lessons.
1: Right now, I think one of the most important things chess can do is provide you with a uh, meditative like experience, something that really helps your focus, because we have so many distractions now, especially with our phone, with social media. You're never really focused on one thing. Um, But with chess, you really get caught in the moment and you can play like a 10, 15 minute game. And that's all you're focusing on. And it's very relaxing at the end of the day as well. And I think it's one of those skills that we need to start relearning with all of our current distractions.
0: Very well said. Well, again, thank you so much. I already found it. I'm going to send you the Uncle Drew link direct into your, your thing so you can watch it, enjoy that. Check out Rounders. Thank you so much for the time. I really enjoyed to get know you better, and uh, I look forward to seeing some streams, and and, and I can't wait to uh, see all your future success and ventures. So thanks again, Alexander. We'll see you soon, and I appreciate it.
1: Likewise. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff, and it was a pleasure talking with you
0: you as well thanks again all right guys that's alexandra botas number 105 podcast in the books you can watch her on twitch you can watch her on youtube you can follow her on instagram twitter all the good stuff and we will have a twitch stream later today and i have got dnp3 tomorrow for number 106 we'll be here at 12 noon so thanks again for watching good luck to everyone have a great day and thanks to alexandra thanks for listening to this episode it was brought to you in partnership with party poker go to partypoker.com to play tournaments cash games and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.